Ready? Ready. Okay, hold on. Three, two, one. Welcome in. Uh, podcast to be named later is is live and, and going. What did we decide on the name last week? I already forgot. Life in the Red. Life in the Red podcast. Life in the Red podcast. There it is. I'm a professional podcast host over here. Um, unofficially episode two of the Life in the Red podcast, uh, tentatively. It's game week. It is Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. The time is 2.19 p.m. We are three days away. It'll probably be about, it'll be in the third quarter, this time Saturday probably. Um, who knows what the mood around Nebraska football will be at 2.19 p.m. on Saturday, but that's what we're here Different to talk about. Different than it is right now. Different than it is right now, almost certainly. Uh and that's what we're here to talk about. We're going to do a little season setup. We're going to give some predictions, you know, just on, on some various topics. We'll obviously predict the game score at the end, like we've done in the previous years. So, you know, I think we just get right into it. Sip, you brought this up before we got started. You're interested in, in some individual predictions. Um, who are Nebraska's top three receivers going to be? Who's going to start at running back? Who's going to lead Nebraska in sacks this year? So I think we all three kind of have our ideas. I'll, I'll turn it over if one of you guys wants to go first, or I can go first too. Simple, yes. lead it off. Okay, so who's was one of them? One of them's who's starting the game at running back? Yeah, who's the starting running back Saturday? Yeah, I, I oh, listen. It's if someone knows this, I'd like to shake their hand. I can't say that I know. My, I'm going with what I perceive to be the guy who had the hot hand late in camp or in the most recent days of camp, and that is Sevion Morris. But I, I don't I can't say it with much certainty or any certainty at all. You said it with I some think, verve. I just yeah, I just I'm just going on what coaches have said recently. Um and they've been pretty he he's definitely made a charge in camp. Um so I'm going oh. with Sevion Morris. All right, all right, this is good. This is good because I got somebody different. I'm going with Gabe Urban. Okay. Yeah. Um we heard uh, Matt Lubick yesterday talk about they want to find a guy that they get to 20 to 26 times a game. Uh, Gabe Irvin's physical profile certainly would fit that. He doesn't have the injury history that Marquis Step has at the college level, obviously because he's a freshman. So if if you want a bell cow and you're looking at those top three guys, I don't know. That's that's just the name that jumps out to me. So I'm going to take Gabe Irvin to get that first that first handoff on uh, on Saturday. All right. I, I I resigned myself to my fate here being in the in the three hole on this one that I would just say the same thing that both of you guys said, uh, but instead I'm going to be the only one to make the logical choice, which is Marquis Step, and wow. I think you can. I, I I'm I'm very interested. I'm not calling either of you illogical. I'm just saying I feel like How if about you're that Bass, he takes a shot at us. That's We're amazing. three minutes into the podcast. He's already he's already calling saying oh, I'll be the logical. The disparagement's high. Just wait till we're in the car on Friday. Oh my God. Anyway, right, now sorry, why are continue. you saying step? Why are you saying step? Well, because when Marquis Step got here in January, which admittedly is a long time ago now in the in the race to win the starting job, um, Nebraska recruited him and was happy to land him because they wanted somebody with some upper level college experience and they wanted someone who they could rely on or, or sort of project to be the guy in the backfield. And that process of becoming that player hit 
a speed bump for Marquis Step when he, you know, had to drop out after on the second day of spring ball and have surgery on on his toe. Um, but he's come back healthier than they thought he would through camp. By all accounts, he's had a productive camp. He's six one and two thirty five, and uh, he's got the most college production out of any of those guys. So when you when push comes to shove and you, the offense trots out onto the field in a game, we're going to talk about this, it's got a lot of pressure on it right from the jump. I just think they're going to go to a guy who averaged five yards a carry at USC to get the first chance uh, in the backfield. All right. Well, that's good. We all picked someone different, which is, I think, is fitting. I think it's fitting because I think it's a huge question mark that not many people know. So what's number two, Baz? Number two. Let's go – we'll switch it up. Let's go to the defense. Uh, who's going to lead Nebraska in sacks this season? Who's going? I went first sacks? last time, so I'll go last. Okay, Parker, go ahead. Yeah, that's a tough one. This is a really tough one. I, I, there, about four different players uh, came to my mind. I'm going to go a little bit off the the beaten path, perhaps here, uh, and I'm going to resist the temptation to pick. Uh, an outside linebacker, or even a defensive lineman, and I'm going to say Luke Reimer. I just think – Sorry? I'm going to say Luke Reimer, the inside line. Luke Reimer, okay. From Lincoln North Star, right up the road from the scooters at 27th and Superior. That's where I'm stationed live. You could throw, you could throw the pigskin and land it on the field where Luke Reimer came to – Somebody prom. could, not me. Um, the And the, the reason I say that is because I don't – I think Nebraska's got a bunch of three and maybe four sack type of guys uh, on the roster. I don't know that they have a dynamite pass rusher. And I think Luke Reimer might be the most naturally explosive uh, player that they have in the front seven. Now, you know, it could be Ty Robinson. It could be Valdarius Payne. It could be a lot of different guys. I'm interested to see who you guys uh, pick, but push comes to shove. I think we've seen Luke Reimer. He's a natural playmaker. Barrett Rood said the thing he does most naturally uh, is get toward the quarterback in the backfield. And I think five and a half or six sacks over the course of a season might, might be enough to, to lead the team. I, uh, I was actually have a similar thought process as you Parker. I was going to say Luke Reimer until you said, it, so I'm going to go a different direction. He was one of the three guys I thought of uh, along with Jojo Doman and Feldarius Payne. Um, I'll pick Feldarius Payne just to pick one. Um, I like his size at the outside linebacker spot to be a pass rusher, to be able to take on offensive linemen. I like his motor quite a bit. I think that's a guy that's, that's ready to make an impact on this team. Give me Feldarius Payne, but I think, I think um, Luke Reimer's right up there as well. And Jojo Dolan for kind of the same reason, knows for the football, knows how to make plays, kind of an explosive guy. So it could be any one of those three. I'm kind of hedging my bets here, but at the end of the day, I'll take I'll take Feldarius Payne just because I like his size. I've had that Jojo Doman had zero sacks last year, and the reason Jojo won't get a lot of sacks is because he's he's often not at the line of scrimmage in passing situations. He's guard. He'll be covering a slot guy a lot of the time. I agree that if they want if they wanted to get Jojo six sacks, I think they could maybe. Um, I I like the. I like the way you guys are thinking, but I think there's an obvious guy that you could leave out, and that's Caleb Tanner. I, now, Caleb Tanner has three and a half sacks in his career, I believe. Um, that's it. And that, that wasn't what anybody expected from him. He's still not big enough, in my opinion. He still has to rely way too much on quickness. 
rather than power. They don't have a power rusher per se on the edge. You know what I'm talking about? Like a guy that can push yeah. a tackle into the backfield and stick his long arm out, grab a guy, grab a quarterback by the jersey and tear him down or tear the ball out. They don't have that guy. Island. Um, but Tanner, okay, he got a black shirt. That's a good sign. Tanner is is explosive. Um, again, he has to rely what probably too much on his speed, but I do think he could get you five or six sacks. I think he's re- he's reached that point of his career where he's probably got a high prove-it mentality. He's obviously playing at a pretty high level, or they wouldn't give him a black shirt because they weren't giving out black shirts like M&M's the other day. Um, so I like Tanner, but I don't think you're going to see a guy get nine sacks for Nebraska this year. I think what they, you know, I was looking in 2016, that team, um, that team, the last Nebraska team that had any kind of season, really a nine and four team had had 26 sacks, which that's like 50th nationally or 60th nationally. I think they should be able to get there, but it's going to be with guys getting five and six a piece. You know, I don't, I don't see anybody racking up a big number. That that season simple 2016, that was the first – that was one of only three times since Nebraska joined the Big Ten that they've averaged two sacks a game in, in conference play. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an area where it's struggled, and I think our group's collective set of answers here all but ensures that either Ben Stilley or Ty Robinson will yeah. lead the team in yeah. sacks by the That's end of the year. That's probably about right. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll make one – We'll make one more personnel prediction here. Uh, we're going to go, who do we think Nebraska's top three receivers will be? Now, we need to clarify this. Are we saying the three guys that are going to start the game on Saturday, or are we saying the top three guys in receptions at the end of the year? See you, Rick. Have a good one. Hey, All see you, Rick. Right. Have a good one. See you, Rick. Nice seeing you. Now, here's the deal. No, I'm saying top three receivers at the end of the season, not necessarily the starters. Okay. All right, let's do both. Why not? Let's do both. My, my three might actually be the same for both both counts, so how about I go first? Great. I'll take uh, – give me Samari Touré. I think that's probably an obvious one. Um, give me Oliver Martin, and give me Xavier Betts. Uh, we've heard <laughs> – yeah, we've heard a lot of really good stuff about all three of those guys this year. Uh, Samari Ture, I think will lead Nebraska in receiving when it's all said and done. I just think, I think he's really good and coming from FCS, he's got great size. They're going to put him in the slot. He's going to be able to, to run past, you know, potentially a safety or a linebacker that gets out there. He's got the size to, to go up and get a ball. I like him. Oliver Martin, as we well know by now has had some of the best testing numbers on the team. He's experienced in the big 10, great athlete. And, and Xavier Betts kind of seems like he's figuring it out. And when he came up and I'll never, that's been one of the best interviews we've had all years is when he came up and talked about how he kind of needed to figure it out after the spring. And it seems like he's started to do that because we've heard really good things about him. So once all said and done, I think those three guys are the guys that are going to be at the top of Nebraska's receiving chart at the end of the season. Who's up next here? I'll go. I'll take, uh, yeah, similar, Baz. I'll take uh, Teray. Uh, Martin and Austin Allen. Um, I think Austin Allen's got a chance to be uh, involved in the passing game. I think they want the tight ends to be more involved in the receiving game. Allen's been a, you know, he hasn't put up huge numbers catch wise in his career, um, but he's already shown he's a big play threat. 
Um, they can get him vertical. They have they have um, ways to get him in matchups and to, and to get him in space. And so I think you'll see him have a big year. I, I was tempted to pick Betts uh, as my third because I think um, he's got a chance to really break out. It wouldn't surprise me if he, he comes on strong. Um, but, yeah, I'll take uh, Samar Ture, Oliver Martin, and Austin Allen. And if you're asking me with Martin and Ture, who I think the third starting receiver will be, assuming that – they have three starters at wide receiver. I'll take uh, narrowly over Xavier Betts. I'll take Wyatt Lever. Wyatt well, I Lever. think is going. I think. I think Wyatt Lever. I mean, I'm not saying that Wyatt Lever is going to be Randy Moss, um, but I think that he goes a little bit under talked about in this group. And last year, I, and I totally understand. Like last year, he wasn't a big threat in the passing game. Um, he worked his way up in part because they didn't have a lot of depth, but the kid is really athletic. I mean, you hate to put the term sneaky athletic on him, but he's, yeah, six, do. he's yeah you really four. do. You really hate to. Why would you but, put that term on? But he's six, four. He's got the program record in the pro agility drill, or he would have tied the program record if it weren't for Deontay Williams. And he, he's a guy that they trust. And so I think the combination of, the size, the athletic package, and and then the experience he got last year. I mean, I think he's going to play a lot for Nebraska this year. I think that's a great name to throw in there. Now, I, in the inter- interest of brevity here, I, I'm not going to – I don't have to expand too much because I'm picking exactly the three that Parker picked in the exact order. Let's Samari Ture. We each pick Samari Ture number one, which is interesting in itself. I'll go Oliver Martin second and Austin Allen third for many of the reasons that Parker outlined. I just add one thing. Ture is really interesting, a very interesting addition to the team because they embraced him right away. The team did. He's obviously a good, I mean, it seems like he must be a good team guy because the guys gravitated to him right away. And I think Adrian will gravitate his way a lot. You can, so if you if you want a good story about Samari Ture Sipple, you can check uh, journalstar.com slash Huskers in about 27 minutes. Right. Who's so writing that? It might be already story. posted. It might be already Parker posted. wrote that baby up. All right. I will. Now, he's interesting because he's a 6'3 slot. That's also interesting. It's interesting to me what Frost said in Indianapolis, which they won't use him out of the backfield. He kind of said that. He just volunteered it. I, I just found that. Interesting. They're going to throw to him a lot, and I think I think we're right on that. He'll be the leading receiver. Wait, he said they're not going to use him out of the backfield. Yeah, they motioned him he into the backfield he, like they motioned him into the backfield like four times during the spring game. Well, they won't hand the ball to him. Though. Yeah, right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's not going to run the ball like Wandale. That'd be interesting. Right. That'd be an interesting sight. Six three guy. Get yeah. handoffs after we throw all this talk about getting, the running getting back. split in half by somebody. That would be an interesting yeah. sight. That would certainly be an interesting sight, wouldn't it? If he was split in half by an opposing defender. All that right. would cause a pause in the game. Yeah. Well, um, let's move on here. We gave those three predictions. We'll give our predictions on Saturday's game uh, at the end of this podcast. Let's try and set this season up a little bit. And, and I guess what I mean by that is, you know, I, expectations is a word that gets thrown around a lot. And, but, you know, I guess what, do you, what are maybe a couple of things you guys are interested in seeing, not only Saturday, but just as the year goes on, you know, like, like what do you want to see out of this team? 
what are maybe some, a couple of things that you think this team can do that maybe it hasn't done under Scott Frost yet? And what maybe is going to make this team different from Scott Frost's first three teams in Nebraska? Well, the, the thing you're looking for right away is, as Parker pointed out in the story over the weekend, in the first, in the last two games against Illinois, they're minus eight, the turnover category. They were minus five last year, which, I mean, just, I don't even know what to say. I mean, you're minus five turnovers against Illinois. Um, you can't, that's just, if, if they're minus five on Saturday, there won't be a sellout at Memorial Stadium on for Fordham. Because um, people just get, they'll grow tired of that. Um, so that's the thing I'm looking for right away. I mean, I think you got to look at the turnover ledger. That That's one of the first things I'll look at at the end of that game. The thing I'm, the thing I'm interested in is, and this is another, probably another right away type of scenario is um, how do they handle adversity? You know, you saw that, yeah. up, that was a little bit up and down last year. I mean, you saw them handle it well at times. We've seen moments um, in, in Scott Frost's tenure moments where adversity has been handled well on the field, the fourth quarter uh, against Michigan state in the snow um, last year against Penn state, when they jumped out big Penn state started marching back in the second half. And even though uh, the momentum really went to Penn state's way in the second half, the defense stood up and won them a game in the red zone um, at the end of that game. So there's been moments, but I think you're interested in how, uh, adversity gets handled on a regular basis, which you're just going to face, especially, you know, in the Big Ten and especially with a schedule like this one related to that. Um, games that come down to one score, they're five and 12, five and 13 under Scott. Five and 11. Five and 11 in one yeah. score games. And so that to me is a, that's a major factor. I mean, not only are, I mean, you're just going to have a bunch of those um, in Big Ten play. And frankly, you wouldn't be that surprised if Saturday's one. And so what, hey, what is, what yeah. is it going to look like um, when you get in, can they play free and easy, especially on offense? Um, when well, they really not, not only that, how, how do they handle prosperity? I mean, they right. didn't handle prosperity last year. When they beat Penn state, they Frost said they took their foot off the gas. It's un- unbelievable to me. Um, but they, how, how do they handle if they, if they win the game, that's another right. thing to look at. Yeah, I think I think I'm kind of in the same the same beat as you guys, and it's it's how does Adrian Martinez kind of lead this team with his play on the field? And you mentioned handling prosperity, handling the tough times. How many times have we seen Adrian Martinez try to win a game by himself? You know, and that leads to turnovers. Now leads to the the turnover margin issue, and that maybe leads to some tight play in the fourth quarter or whatever. But I think you a lot of those things. Go back, excuse excuse Palmer giving his opinion in the background here. I, I, I think like those it. things, yeah. Palmer's also interested in what Adrian does this year. But um, I, they're going to go as he goes. I think it comes down to that. You know, the dude came back for a fourth year. We've heard ad nauseum. He's better. He's he's tremor. He's in great shape. He's good place mentally, yada, yada, yada. If he is all those things, then Nebraska is going to be closer to reaching their full potential because we all know it's he's the head of the snake, right? And And – and yes, the defense needs to be good. Yes, the offensive line needs to be good. They need to find a running game, you know, limit turnovers, clean up special teams. But if Adrian is is really good this year, then Nebraska has a chance to be good. And if Adrian is not very good this year, then it's going to be really tough for Nebraska to be good. So how does Adrian handle it? 
you know, when it's tough, you know, maybe this Saturday when it's tough and they need a drive and they need him to make a play or, or they need him to have a teammate make a play. Can he do it? And, and can he lead them when things are, are going well too? So that, that kind of ties into what you guys both said. It's if Adrian goes well, I think this team goes well. I think so. One thing I'm, I think is going to be fascinating. One of the, one of the many reasons why this Illinois game is so interesting is we've heard a lot from coaches about what they think the temperament of this team is. There's more player leadership. It's a veteran group. They're confident. Uh, they have more, um, you know, tools in the tool belt, so to speak. They're deeper. I think all of that is going to be put to the test pretty darn quickly on Saturday, Sipple, because let's face it, I don't know, I don't know if Cam Taylor Britt goes to bed at night wondering or thinking about pressure. Um, he said at the beginning of camp that he didn't feel pressure, um, but there is, there's pressure, right? I mean, there's pressure on this game in particular um, for Nebraska and to get off to a good start this season and to get, uh, you know, wind under the wings, as Scott Frost had said. And so if they come out, if Illinois hits them and goes up seven, nothing, or if it's, you know, 14 to 10 after a quarter or something like that, um, like, how are they going to respond? Are they just going to settle into the fight and say, okay, here it is. Here's the challenge, you know, let's go play. Or are they going to get tight? I mean, and whether it happens on Saturday or it happens against Oklahoma or Buffalo or Michigan state or whatever, like, it's going to happen at some point. I think you can tell a lot about the temperament of a team based on how they respond uh, when the other team throws a punch. And I wouldn't be surprised if Illinois throws one, you know, early. Uh, and so it's just, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by it because there's, you can talk about their loose, their relaxed, there's pressure on this game. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there, there's a lot on it. Um, it's not a make or break. Eric Schneider said that yesterday doesn't like the term make or break. And I would agree with them. Um, but that doesn't mean there's not pressure because there's a lot of it. This is a, this is a great segue Parker. And this leads into something we talked about uh, the other day before media availability. And I think we all agree. Like you said, this game is important. May or may not be make or break. What if Nebraska loses this game Saturday? What, you know, we, we've, we've talked about the pressure way to the world on, you know, Scott Frost shoulders, Adrian Martinez, this defense, whatever it may be. What if Illinois goes up 10, nothing, 14, 10, and Nebraska doesn't respond and they lose 31, 28, or they lose 31, 21, or whatever, whatever the score may be. They don't win is basically the point. What, what happens then? We, I think we all agree <laughs> the next week will be a, 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 a tire fire on several different fronts. Um, but it's fascinating to me. And yeah. I'm not saying Nebraska is going to lose this game, but, you know, what if they do? What if they do lose this game? It'll be very pleasant throughout yeah. the state. The mood will be wonderful. The mood will be good. Social media will be a bastion of, of calmness and perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a lot of – there won't be anybody eviscerating anybody next week. Your word of the um, week this week, simple, is evisceration. We've only yeah. we've only been talking about the head coach's body language at a press conference for the last two weeks now, basically. So I can't imagine what a loss in an actual football game would, would look like. The season will become very pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's it's interesting, right? Because like yeah. you said, Sip, if they lose, that Fordham's probably not a sellout. 
the next week, you know, and if it's mistake, especially if it's mistake, though, if it looks like all the other losses under Scott Frost, boy, oh boy, you know, now you throw a potential ending of the sellout streak on top of that, you throw in, you know, okay, you lose to Illinois, but you beat Fordham and Buffalo, great, now you're going to Oklahoma, have you really built anything positive if you beat Fordham and Buffalo after losing to Illinois, I don't know, you know, so it's, 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 it's a tone setter, for sure, and and the, the, the external pressure only ratchets up, right? Like there's, yes. we know there's pressure on Scott Frost and whether you know that's, what? go ahead, Sip. I'll tell you something interesting. I, it's just this, like the state of the state of affairs. But if you think about it, Nebraska is better off starting this season on the road. It, 100%. I, I, I think that because of what you're saying, what you're suggesting, the scenario that you suggest which is if they would get down early, which is very plausible because of just because of new coach, you know, they might, that Illinois offense might have the upper hand early just because of the, they can throw the unexpected at you a little bit, get you on your heels. Then how do you respond? And in Memorial stadium, if things would start going badly early, you hear the players can literally hear the conversations in the stand. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it, yeah, the stadium gets really tight the players can feel that they are better off, I think, on the road. Um, and that that's just, you know, that's not an indictment on anybody. I think that's just the state of affairs right now. You're right. They're better off on the road and they're going to be in a stadium that probably isn't going to be full. You know, just just talking to a, a couple of people that cover the team out there. Okay. You know, that they, they might have 30,000 there and that stadium states seat that stadium seats what, 60, 55, yeah. 60, somewhere in there. So it might be half full, maybe a little more. So it's not going to be this, this suffocating. It's not going to be walking into the horseshoe at night. You know, it's not going to be walking into Michigan stadium, you know, in front of 110,000. It's not going to be that, but it is going to be on the road. You know, there'll, there'll be a lot of Nebraska fans there, but it's, it's going to be a road environment. That's not necessarily a, a, you know, debilitating road environment where it's just tough to do anything there. So I think that helps Nebraska too, uh, in that sense. But you're right, Sip. I think they're better off on the road in this game. It's it's this this opener has been talked about so much, uh, and you're talking about a game between two teams that basically the, have been the bottom two teams in the division, along with Purdue for the last couple of years. You know, and we're talking about how massive this game is in in the course of Nebraska's season. So, yeah, it's it's just it's so fascinating to me. And again, I'm not saying Nebraska's going to lose this game, but if they get down. Can they respond and, and, or does it become, oh, well, here comes a 40 yard kickoff return from Illinois to keep the momentum going. Here comes a long punt return. Oh, there's Adrian Martinez forcing one into double coverage and, a, and it's an interception. You know, is it, is it turning into that same old stuff or do we find out that Nebraska maybe really has turned a corner on some of that? So a lot of reasons for Nebraska to win this game, obviously, but boy, the, the thought of them not winning this game, just it, it's almost more interesting than if they win it. Don't you think that, but I was just going to say, it's interesting to say that, Baz, because the other interesting picture would be if Nebraska just comes out smoking, you know, like that would, that given the pressure and given the off season and, and given the stakes and all of that, like the other thing that would be really interesting is, you know, 28, nothing, five minutes into the second quarter. I mean, and again, like probably also unlikely, um, but they've got a veteran defense and a defense that feels like it can play well and, if they come out and uh, I just think the, the interesting part, the other way is 
if they came out and stomped Illinois, because if that happens, there would be this question about like how quickly, how quickly does all the other stuff go away? Yeah. And I think Sipple's point earlier about wanting to see them handle success is obviously would, would persist. Um, and there's, it's not like they can answer every question uh, in 60 minutes on Saturday, but I just, I would find it a very interesting study in what, they feel like they've got in there if that team comes out more than ready to play and, and, and puts on a show. I just think either end of the spectrum um, would be kind of wild. Boy, all I hear, all I hear right now is this is, it just is going to feel like every game almost or every game, not even almost is uh, it's a referendum. It just feels like a big referendum season. Yeah. You know, we're going to read a lot in, we're going to read in a lot. We're going to read into everything. And that's just the kind of season we're in. I've been through them. They're not, they're, they're intense. I mean, it's, it's easy to write columns, I guess, during referendum seasons, but it's not easy for head coaches. Yeah. And one thing I'll say too, like we're talking about Illinois and it's going to be hard and they have a new coach. This team that still won two games and was terrible on defense last year and brought all basically brings back all the guys from a, from a lousy team last year. Yes, they beat Nebraska, and let's not forget that that happened. I'm, I'm sure most fans probably haven't, but Illinois wasn't a great outfit, you know, when Brett Bielema got there. There's a reason they have a new coaching staff this year, and, and it's because they haven't been very good in recent years, even if they have given Nebraska trouble. So, yeah, Parker Parker said it. Like, it, what if Nebraska's up 28-0? They might go up and win that game by three scores or whatever, four scores, whatever it may be. And, and we go, oh, hey, they look pretty good, but then – you know, maybe you start to think about it in hindsight and all that. Well, Illinois is probably not very good, you know, and I think that happens a lot with these games. We sometimes build these teams up, you know, to be these, to be greater than they are, you know, and of course you're not doing that with Ohio state. We know Ohio state's great, but even, even like the Iowa and Wisconsin games, it feels like we build Iowa and Wisconsin up to be these, these monoliths that are just impossible to conquer. And, Again, Nebraska hasn't beaten them, but Nebraska's been right there with Iowa the last few years. They've they've been right there in spurts with Wisconsin the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, we, we might go up there, and Illinois might be lousy, and Nebraska might roll. And then, then it's a totally different discussion going into the next week. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. There's a lot of unknowns about it. That's what I think makes it so so fun and so interesting. Well, they're, the Nebraska's not going to get widespread credit for winning any of their no. first three games, which is sort of the – sort of the interesting wrinkle in all of it is a loss in any of their first three games is a calamity, but if they start three and oh, it'll just be, Oh, well, that's what they're supposed to do. That'll be the prevailing sentiment. And so I think the, the interesting thing is to take uh, as much of a clear eyed stock as you can of what do they do well and what don't they over the first three weeks? Cause that's the stuff that will be portable um, whether it's in trying to hang with the exceptionally talented Oklahoma team or whether it's the, the big 10 gauntlet that comes after that. But to me, like, of course it's going to hit the fan if they lose against Illinois. But I think if they, if they start three and zero, there's going to be some people who just say, Oh, it doesn't matter. But it's like simple said, when, you know, season like this, everything matters. I think, you know, everything matters. And so that, uh, yeah, it just, it's the first, I mean, they play eight straight weeks, right? We've got, we've got eight straight Saturdays of football before a bye week in, in late October. So we're, we're getting into that period where we're really going to learn a lot uh, about what they got to get my truck into the shop before then. Um, hey, hey, uh, okay, should we do predictions? 
Yeah, let's knock this baby out. We'll finish this baby up. First predictions of the new year for Saturday's game, Nebraska at Illinois, noon kickoff, big noon kickoff. Fox, national game, only Power 5 versus Power 5 game on Saturday. The eyes of the nation will be upon Champaign, Illinois. When was last? That probably hasn't happened since Red Grange was roaming the backfield. Oh, come on, uh, Mike White. Have you ever heard of Mike White? Yes, I've heard of Mike White. Um, Juice Williams. Anyway, yeah, Juice Williams. The two that oh, they're by the way, they're honoring their 2001 Big Ten championship team Saturday. Let's Hello, go. There, there you go. So, what if, hey, what would you guys say if I just said I'm, I'm writing a column about that? <laughs> You're just gonna write about Illinois' 2001 <laughs> Big Ten championship team <laughs> that couldn't go to the Rose Bowl, by the way, because the Rose Bowl was the national title game that year, and who was there? Nebraska, Miami. Oh, uh, wow. You remember that game. Um, I'll go first on the predictions. I'll give the two, the top two football guys a little time to think about this. I think Nebraska wins. I think Illinois hits them early, like we talked about. I think Illinois maybe goes right down the field there at first drive. Maybe those first two drives, and maybe they're up 10-7 or whatever, whatever maybe may 14-10. I think Nebraska finds itself. I think they adjust. I think their talent carries the day. I like their defense to kind of settle in against that offense. I think Nebraska ends up winning 31-21. Say it again. You drowned out a little bit. Nebraska 31, Illinois 21. Okay. All right. I'm in a very similar place. I I hemmed and hawed about it, but I'm going to pick Nebraska. Um, And I picked it at 30-24, to which I think that would be under and Illinois covering. That's right. I think Nebraska. I think it's Nebraska by seven right now. Is the is the spread? Yeah, it is. I'm picking the unders by one point. The under the over under is fifty five. Um, so I'm picking the unders by one point. What do you think my score is? Wait, 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 wait. Under fifty five. Thirty four twenty. Good guess. Not correct. Thirty twenty four. Like Parker. Thirty seven. To seventeen, wow! Hmm. A blowout. Seven, three score game. Seven, seventeen, Illinois, huh? No, wow, you're picking <laughs> Illinois to win by three touchdowns. You're here first, of all. Simple's picking Illinois to win by twenty. Nebraska. I'm picking Nebraska to win because I'm betting on mainly because I'm betting on three things. I'm betting on Adrian Martinez to to have a career resurgence. We'll call it. I'm betting on the receivers to be much better than we've seen at Nebraska in a while as a collective, throw those tight ends in there. And I'm betting on Shenander's defense to be a top 30 defense and to show it right away. So yeah, 37 to 17. This is a veteran defense. There's no reason that it can't come out of the gate strong. Love it. No reason. No reason. We are back, folks. We're piling into the car Friday afternoon, driving out to Champaign. We'll have you covered from every single possible angle. Make sure you check out journalstar.com slash Huskers for all your Husker coverage from the guys, plus me. I'll even throw some stuff in there. My opponent scout's coming later this afternoon. But until then, we'll see you up in Champaign, and then we'll talk to you next week on the pod.